Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 19. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week, as I am every week, by my lovely co-hosts, Linda Surovich. Hi, Linda. Hey, Allison. And Maggie Wigan. Hi, Maggie. Hi, Allison. So the Mets um, kept on rolling uh, (laughs) since we last recorded, and um, they had an epic winning streak that finally came to an end um, on Sunday against the Nationals. Uh, Of course, the Mets, in very predictable Mets fashion, won the two games that, you know, on paper looked like they might lose and lost the game on paper they probably should have won, but, you know, we'll take it. Um, But Friday and Saturday sure as heck were fun. (laughs) Yeah, that they were. We'll get to that later. We'll get to that later. Um, As of today, going into today, although I guess, I I don't know if any teams played in the afternoon today. If they did, I didn't catch up on that. Um, But the Mets were two games back of Washington uh, in the standings, one game back of the Cardinals, and those are the two wildcard position teams. And the Brewers are um, a half a game back of the wild card. Uh, and, and I the think the Phillies are a game and a half back of the Mets. I, I think, think they're a game and a half back period. And the oh, Mets are okay. a game back. Anyway, um, I can't exactly remember, but anyway, it's right. They're right there, right in the wild card race. Although things aren't it's going a tight so race. Well. It is. 
Although things aren't going so well for the Mets right now as we record this on Tuesday night, Zach Wheeler is off to a pretty rough start. Well, just to put it mildly. Um, so, you know, it's not what you want, not what you want um, against a first yeah. place Braves team. The Mets are already looking, you know, pretty bad. Um, so hopefully this Braves series doesn't, you know, undo of all, all of our good vibes and good feels. Um, but we'll not focus on that for now and focus on the good things that have happened in the past week. Um, so last week we talked about um, a lot about how the Mets really needed to, you know, shop around the um, DFA candidates for um, some guys to shore up their depth on their bench and in their bullpen. And they actually did do that. So they acquired Joe Panic as well as Brad Brock. And both of those guys contributed positively um, during that nice run the Mets had the past week. So that's cool. Yeah, they both seem to be like... Panic, I give Panic all the credit in the world for getting the single after Todd Frazier's home run Friday night because that was a really tough position to be in. He was making his debut too, uh, local guy. And after the crowd exploded like that, I can only imagine how hard it was to bat after that. And it was a key at bat too, even though Juan Lagares kind of screwed up after it. But, you know, he was still on base and then. Bond basically replaced him but so far he got an RBI hit in Sunday's game like he's been pretty solid so far yeah exactly like obviously like his overall batting line isn't all that impressive but when he's hit it's he's he's made it count and he's played a decent second base which we needed in the absence of Robinson Cano who plays pretty smooth defense and you know Joe Panic. that's what he's known for is he's a good defensive second baseman and that has um come to fruition so far in his Mets well, and in tenure. true Mets in true Mets form, he doesn't have to be great. No, he just has to be better. And for better or worse, mostly for worse, there's a lot of territory covered by better than the other second baseman <laughs> the Mets had on the roster. Oh, and it's sure not just second baseman too. It's not playing Altair and Lagaris too. Right, exactly. Um, it seems pretty much that the. Mets strategy for right now is to essentially platoon Panic and Ligaris, like a pseudo platoon, because they obviously don't play the same position. But like, but you can Ligaris, move, uh, you can move McNeil back and forth based on where the guy is playing, who is in that weirdo little platoon. Precisely, <laughs> um, and it seems to be working out so far. I mean, Juan Ligaris is one of the only hits that the Mets have so far, so that's nice. Um, oh boy. So- Buckle up, Turner Field. Here we are. Oh no, sorry, not Turner Field. Um, Sun Life Park, Sun Trust Park, Sun Trust. Whatever. Ugh. That <laughs> terrible place in the burbs. Who can remember all of this? The burbs with no public transit, so none of the actual Braves fans in the city of Atlanta can get there, and so they, you know, they don't sell out their stadium when their team's in first place, <laughs> <laughs> or the playoffs, or you know, playoff bound, or in the playoffs. So, yeah. Yeah, the but, cursed home of the New York of the Atlanta Braves, we'll say. Yeah. Yeah, extremely cursed place, Atlanta. Extremely cursed uh for the Mets throughout their history. Um and that seems like it's going to continue. I really hope that it doesn't kill our good vibes. But I know. Um we'll go back to the fact that um Joe Panic's been good and Brad Brock, I really like this addition. I know that he's having a terrible year, but um I think very fondly of Brad Brock I he's my new man's basically for anyone who is not aware so he's like my secondary dude 
I know we all have our dudes. My dude's definitely still <laughs> Seth Lugo. Not abandoning Seth Lugo as my dude, to be sure. But Brad Brock is low-key my secondary dude now because he was um, on the Orioles uh, during pretty much most of my years that I lived in Baltimore. Um, he was there from, I think, 2014 to 2018. So basically almost my entire um, Baltimore tenure. And he was one of the more reliable pitchers in that Orioles bullpen during the years when the Orioles were good before this elitist, you know, very bad stretch that the Orioles are having. Um, And he was their eighth inning guy. And he was like extremely, extremely solid over that period of time. Um, And he's just been, he's just had, he was signed to like a one year, $3 million something by the Cubs. And He's not had a good year, and so he was released. But he's not he, – it's one of those guys where he's, like, really not too far removed from being, like, all-star caliber reliever. So Well, and his struggles this year have been super specific. Like, he's still striking guys out. His velocity is okay. He's just – his walks have spiked. And a lot. I mean, he's walking something like six per nine innings. I mean, it's a bad number. Like, there's no doubt about that. But, like, also, it's – something that you can kind of imagine might be coachable. Like yeah. it, it's yeah. it sort of, it, it tracks. So it'll be interesting to see um, if that's something that either resolves or even just like, it might even be a case, you know, and obviously I've not been watching him day in and day out, but like it also kind of could be a situation where you're just seeing some bad luck, some like unfortunate pitch sequencing, some, bad matchups with umpires like he's a reliever so it's it's still very easy for there to be little flares of statistical weirdness going on so in any case it'll be it'll be a fun thing to watch over the next few weeks see how he settles in yeah well, and plus he's he was he's excited to be here he's a bad fan That's and that part. just endears him to me like immediately it's <laughs> pretty great exactly <laughs> So, yeah, he talked about, for those of you that missed that little blip, um, Brad Brock talked about how in 2015 he attended the World Series as a fan because he grew up in um, Freehold, New Jersey, um, which, hell yeah, Jersey for life. Um, and he grew up a Mets fan, so that's really, really fun. So it's it's just fun to have a group of dudes that, like, really want to be here, like a strong Long Island contingent, a strong New Jersey contingent, a strong like grew up a Mets fan contingent between like Brock and Stroman and Steven Matz and and Todd Frazier bringing that New Jersey energy. It's just really, really fun to have. Wait, panic too, team. right? Did I? Yes. yes. Did I forget that? He's from yes. Wappingers, yes. <laughs> uh, the North Stater people, well, not North, but, you know, not the down, like, Jersey City vibe. <laughs> Show some love for the people up North. <laughs> Wasn't he born in Yonkers? Yonkers, see, and then he moved to Wappingers. Yeah, to so, yeah I guess he's downstate, too. <laughs> yeah, part downstate. It's nice. Or... They seem to be repping from Long Island Railroad, New York Jersey Transit, and Metro North. I mean, that's a really, like, well-balanced, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love all of it. Yeah, Joe Panic also, you know, um, has roots here. So it's it's just really cool to have a strong, like, local contingent. That's very fun. I really like that. Yeah, I think um, they said there's a fifth of the roster that's local now. Yeah, hell yeah. And that's, yeah, like, you just don't think New York producing so many, you know, athletes usually, but, you Maybe know. Maybe not good ones. We're talking about <laughs> Joe Panic. <laughs> sorry, oh, sorry, Joe. Sorry. Who's the, I wonder who the best, like, baseball player that the New York metropolitan area has ever produced is. I'd have to look that up. I have no yeah. idea. That's an interesting question. We'll nerd out on it tomorrow. 
yeah, yeah, we'll look it up and get back to you, listeners, about that. I'm sh- I'm sure some of you are are good enough baseball historians that you're already screaming the answer at us <laughs> through your <laughs> car stereo or through your speakers or however else you're listening. But yeah, email us. Hey, if you have the answer, email us. Yes, please. Or it'll be somebody sad like Stephen Matz. <laughs> <laughs> Stephen Matz well- himself, as it turns out. I will say all of these like tri-state area dudes, it does sort of fall in line with what I was saying last week about like, even if the Mets aren't going to be like a winning team and I, I, I'm totally buying into what they're selling these last couple of weeks, but like it's the Mets, they could lose 10 in a row starting well Sunday, but like, um, even if they're not going to win all their games, it's a fun team to watch. And you know, no, it's not the, it's probably not the best baseball business that the Mets seem more inclined to, to get local kids on the team, but like, it's fun. I oh, love all, fun. I love all the parent videos. Like, that's awesome. Yeah, oh Mama Strowman. Marcus Mama Strowman. Oh my. So I always good. get super weepy at those videos because I sometimes think about how I would be if yeah. it were my little ones. And I can't even imagine. I can't. Oh my god! Imagine. I almost lost it at little league. So like, <laughs> yeah, it would be a lot, <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I and I was saying this in response to um, some folks, and I was chatting up some folks in the comments section on Amazing Avenue recently, and. You know, um, there are obviously like fans come in all shapes and sizes and root in different ways. And I am totally accepting of that. I don't I strongly dislike gatekeeping in fandom. I think that that's bullshit. And I don't think that you should ever tell Mm -hmm. other people how to fan. However, when I I was I was talking to people who like still aren't really buying in, which is not how I'm seeing things lately. Um, And, you know, they were really not buying in and I was like hey you know what even if the Mets don't make the playoffs I still it's not going to take away the joy that I felt for no. these past couple of weeks nothing can take that away yet would it be more fun if the Mets ended up like in the wild card position at the end of the year sure but like even if they don't it's not going to take away the happiness I felt watching all these games watching all these improbable comebacks like those are moments that you can't take back from me now so I'm just gonna enjoy the hell out of them while I can and like on the flip side I I know people will sometimes talk about like you know bracing themselves but honestly when has not enjoying a winning streak ever made the the following losing streak felt less shitty. It doesn't it work hasn't. that way. <laughs> yeah. Like you never like, Oh boy, this feels so much worse than it would have if they'd been losing for the last month and a half. Like that's <laughs> not, that's not a thing. And I think sometimes we want to tell ourselves that it is in like a misguided attempt to have sucky things, not suck, but they will. And we can't control them. So enjoy the parts that don't suck. Right. And imagine, like, even being in this position, like, when, like, when um, Vargas and Mickey got into it with Tim Healy, like, that was probably the low point, oh, I think. And bad. just to think where we were then, like, trade everybody, this team is an embarrassment, I'm embarrassed to be a fan, like, I remember saying this. And then now here, we're like, oh my god, they're actually in it. Like, it's, 
it's like a not like a 360 like you had to do two spins to even get to this point because i still kind of don't even believe it's happening but it is but you know what it's been the lowest lows kind of make the highest highs even more sweet and who cares like obviously i care if they they make the playoffs or not but not too long ago that wasn't even on the radar so just the fact that we can have this conversation is a win in my book Right. And on this very podcast, we were having the like, come to Jesus, how much longer can we do this podcast? Like, <laughs> we did. That wasn't that I think long we had ago. A couple folks. of those, but oh, like, we, definitely. I think we with multiple. <laughs> but like, how much longer can we put up with this ownership? How much longer can we put up with, you know, putting what ourselves What are our alternatives? This? Yeah. We were and having that conversation. Yes. Allison, you had that quote. Um, that almost made me cry where it's like what do we do when our passion is gone you said somebody told you you'll be just that passion will go somewhere else yeah like them it just like like hit me right in the feels but I'm like but now I can keep my passion with the mess yeah yeah <laughs> it's it's fun it's a good feeling it's a good feeling to have fun watching baseball again regardless of how but things all turn out in the end Yes, and the fact that these guys are likable dudes. Like, Vargas was the last one dragging us down, and he's gone. Hi, <laughs> <Bye>, Swampy. <laughs> and he was awful for the Phillies, which makes it even better. Yeah, that is pretty. That, that I'm is... perfectly fine with him helping sink them, if that is such a possible thing. That would be lovely. That Although the Reds amazing. are not doing us any favors right now, which is an unfortunate. <laughs> oh, no, it's not the Reds that are playing the Phillies. The Reds are playing the Nationals. So that's true, but not for the team yeah. that I thought. Um, the Phillies Phil- are also winning. I think, <laughs> against some team. Whatever. Thorpler. Whatever. Um, no, they're playing Cubs. Ugh. That's Come on, no Cubs. Win. You're supposed to be good. Get your act together. Um, so, we'll yell at Sarah next week. Yeah, we'll yell at Sarah. Uh, preview spoiler Um, alert so the the last thing that the last kind of Mets related thing that um I think is key moving forward is you know the bullpen we talked about this a little bit last week that the bullpen has been a lot better in part because it's been less exposed because the starters have gone deeper into games so the bullpen has been you know more well rested they can actually deploy Lugo in the most key spots when they have to and you know Luis Avilon's pitching a lot better. Justin Wilson hasn't been, like, amazing, but he's been good. Um, And, you know, they've just – they've been less exposed, as I said. And so – but the big problem still remains that Edwin Diaz has not been any better. Um, It's bad. And, I mean, the two-run homer that he gave up in the game on Sunday was not the difference in the game. They still, you know, they were losing by one run when he gave it up and they didn't score any runs in the bottom of the inning. So it's not like you can say like he lost them the game, but given the comebacks that the Mets have staged, you know, when they were only one run behind, you kind of felt like it was possible and it did really change the momentum of the game and quash like kind of any hope that the Mets had of coming back when he made it even further out of reach. And it was just very frustrating. And as someone who is still desperately a big Edwin Diaz fan and so desperately wants him to succeed, it's really, really frustrating to watch. (laughs) Because the stuff is clearly there. The stuff is there. 
It's like no, I just I don't get what what the issue is. Slider command mostly, and like yeah, and I, everything I kind just of, seems up. I kind of don't hate the idea, honestly, of sending him to the miners for a few weeks. I I, I was thinking about this, like. I don't, the problem is, I mean, A, who would replace him? But honestly, like, I don't even know how you can put him out there all that much right now. But then also, like, I guess the big question is who, who's the pitching coach in AAA? I should probably know this, but I don't. But if it's somebody who's got a knack for fixing broken stuff, give him a crack. Give him a crack at Diaz. Like, he's not going to be seeing big game action right now anyway. He, they have the ability to send him down if they want to. And I just feel like, I don't know. I mean, you got to know your, I guess you have to know your player's psychology, but if it's not going to really break him, you know, mentally to send him down, it, it just feels like the better choice. Cause they're right now they're basically, they're, they're pitching short. Yeah. Yeah. And mentally this can't be good for him either. Right. I don't know if his confidence is there anymore. I mean, but he got the first two out. He struck out Rendon and it was a big strikeout. He got a, it was a perfect pitch. Yeah. It's, and then uh, the, it's I, don't like I think he's being pounded on like every pitch and that he no. looks hittable all the time. It's just completely inconsistent. And yeah, it's, it's really all slider command. I don't, and like it's, it's been like, interesting and simultaneously extremely interesting and extremely frustrating and I've been meaning to like flesh this out in some sort of piece but I don't really have answers so I don't really have a thesis to work with here but it's been interesting to sort of watch DeGrom, Syndergaard, and Wheeler with tonight being the exception we'll not talk about tonight's Wheeler Mm. performance but like they've all found their sliders in a big way in this second half and that's been key to their success and early on in the season it was the slider and the off-speed stuff that was really killing them and I suspected it was in part because of the baseball that was really hurting them because they all are heavily reliant on the Warthen slider the hard slider now Familia too Right, Familia as well. Um, and Familia's been better, but he's yeah. been in low leverage situations, so we'll see how, you know. He's also, like, I, I wrote, actually, some stuff about the bullpen earlier um, earlier today, and Familia's been better in his results. The um, What's going into it is still really problematic, and his, his walk rate has actually gotten worse in the last oh. few weeks. <laughs> he's he literally... Like, he's walking a batter an inning. Yeah. And that is... His whip is still terrible. So, like, he's the guy where I'm sitting back. I'm like, "Mm, mm mm-mm, No, do not trust. No, this is... (laughs) It's a lie. It's a lie. Yeah. And I mean... (laughs) But, yeah. Edwin Diaz's slider is not the Warthen slider. It's a different style of slider. But... Like, watching the other dudes all find their slider and watching Diaz continue to struggle is puzzling to me and I'm not sure I have the answer because before I was kind of like you know the baseball the baseball the baseball and not to say that I thought it was entirely the baseball that's not true um because that is an excuse and I don't think that you know that's a good excuse um but you know this makes me doubt that theory a little bit more now because he's still continuing to struggle despite these other dudes figuring it out and I don't know why despite all of them being immensely talented and having great stuff, I don't know why they are figuring it out and making the adjustment. And he's not, they're all being coached by the same coaching staff. I don't, they're also throwing a lot more innings. 
I mean, there's certainly, like, I don't know what the number of sliders thrown by each exactly is this season, but statistically, it's almost certainly that each of those starters are throwing many more sliders in a repetition than, than Diaz is. So it may be that he is also working towards figuring it out, but that he is a little slower to do so in part because he hasn't had the reps. And then also it might just be a personality or physical, you know, variant that just makes him a little bit more behind the others that there's, there's a, there's a lot of kind of, circles of possibility around here that intersect in different ways. Well, and the other is like, I, we've seen this with Jake, like on the day his slider isn't working, he'll be like, all right, I'll throw my change today. I don't think Diaz can do that. He has to rely on the slider. So yeah. if it's not working, it's, you know, not what working. can he do? Yeah, it's not working. Right, he doesn't have a starting pitcher's repertoire to work with. He has a reliever's repertoire to work with. Um. So, yeah, I mean, that's been the biggest bummer to me during yeah. this whole thing is watching Edwin Diaz continue to struggle. And, you know, I, I, I'm with Maggie, so honestly. <laughs> Send him down. Like, like I hate to say I hate to say it. It kills me. But if it helps, if it can help, anything they can do to help should be yeah. considered. They need him. Like, he is, he's not a nice thing to have. If they're going to compete, he is an absolute necessity. They need a stronger bullpen. Like, right. the, the winning streak, the bullpen has not smashed it, but, like, they certainly could smash it in the future. Like, that's um, totally a possibility. They they already basically sunk the team for the per, for the first half of the season. It's a freaking miracle they got out of it. So, yeah, like that bullpen needs a better anchor than they have right now, which is nothing against Lugo. We love you, Lugo. Mwah. <laughs> My dude. Obsessed with Lugo. And Your also, actual official dude. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And how many innings do, or how many batters did Lugo face that he didn't allow a run? I think it was. Oh, it or... was 26, right? Yeah. Was... yeah. Yeah, or it was either 26 or 27. I can't remember if he actually broke the Yeah, he. I think he the tied record. the record. Okay. So, Which like, is... you're not going to get a historic run out of Lugo every time out. Like, to just assume that is kind of, you know, unrealistic. So right. you need Let's to fire. have another option. Yeah. Yeah, they need, they need Edwin Diaz. To, and they don't need, they don't even necessarily need 2018 Edwin Diaz. They just need something approaching the Edwin Diaz of old. Yeah. Um, in order to For that matter, I mean, they could, like, look, I think it's less likely than Diaz figuring it out, but if Familia were to figure it out, that would also be fine. That would be great. If, that would if be one of them was actually, like, pitching shutdown innings, then we would be in much better shape. Agree. We need yeah. one of those two to be good in order to sustain this run. Um, and my, I don't know, my last ditch theory regarding Edwin Diaz is just like, and I kind of, I poo pooed this a great deal at the beginning when they first acquired him, when everyone like, you know, like lost their shit about this. I, but I can't help but wonder if the bone spurs are affecting him. I don't know. I like pitchers have bone spurs literally all the time. 
and it doesn't affect their pitching. It happens routinely. It's not that big of a deal. Um, but sometimes they need surgery to remove them. The, the Mets have had pitchers who have necessitated that. Um, but it just makes me wonder if that is having an effect. Yeah. And if it is, like, would it be better to just shut him down? Get him under I the mean, that's right the other. Now. Like, ha- like if, if they have serious reason to believe that he is being affected physically then they can't keep pitching him. They can't use him. There is somebody in the minors who could give them a six ERA. That's not, you know, sure. like, like yeah, this we have is a the Mets. Like those. they could figure out a, a six ERA dude. Um, and like, get them ready for next year. Like that's, if, if that's the issue, like I, I there's certainly a lot of other things on the table right now, but like they, they got to do something. Cause right now he's just wasting a roster spot. And didn't he pitch like an insane amount of innings last year? Yeah, probably. So yes. you wonder if, like, I don't know, maybe there's some a fatigue factor in there. I don't know, sure. but could be. Yeah, because I mean, after 2015, um, you know, when all of our pitchers pitch a ton of innings, none of them came back. I think 2016 was Degrom's worst year so far. So oh, still like pretty. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> for DeGrom. him, yeah. Degrom grading on a curve here. <laughs> Yeah, we're like that miserable three and a half ERA. So gross. (laughs) Jake, what is wrong with you? But yeah, so you wonder if there is some some carryover from year to year. Like maybe you don't prepare the same because you knew you threw more in the in the season before or I don't know, because pitchers are very like they're insane about their preparation, their routines and so need to be some, a special type of OCD to be true. yeah yeah so I'm not it could be that you know all the innings last year affected him somehow yeah I, I mean it's possible at this point we're just searching for answers answers because I don't <laughs> think anybody fix has. yourself Diaz please I don't you. know what it is yeah we would or love you to fix back, yourself bring back narco at least <laughs> try that narco. that'll fix it Alexa yes. play narco Alexa Fix this. <laughs> Fix it, Alexa. <laughs> On that note, um, when we get back, um, we will talk about a recent, rather controversial thing um, that happened that involved um, several baseball players' wives and have a general discussion about, you know, spouses of players and what that experience is like. So stay tuned. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And we are back. 
Um, so for those of you that missed it and are not terminally online like the rest of us, um, what do you was... even do like 18 hours a day? Yeah, right. Like, how do you how... spend your time? Yeah, like, how are you not like, do you like talk to people who are near you? I don't understand that's that. Weird. <laughs> talk to people from not your podcast microphone. I don't know what that's like. Um, so recently, um, Bria Anderson, uh, who is the wife of White Sox shortstop Tim Anderson, had a rather charged Instagram discussion in, in I guess there's like a, a group DM for all the, all the wives, um, with Elizabeth Swarzak, uh, the wife of former Met Anthony Swarzak, now brave Anthony Swarzak, um, and that exchange was posted um, by Lucas Giolito's wife, Ariana. Um, and it was a doozy <laughs> of a discussion. Yeah, and I just, just for context, um, Tim Anderson and his wife are, are both black. Um, and that's a, an increasingly small proportion of the MLB community. But like, I think that's actually, that's an important piece of context for, for placing this interaction. And of course, and like, both of the other involved parties are not black. So that's just to set the, set the stage. To set the stage. And to be absolutely clear, Ariana Giolito is posting this from a place of, you know, solidarity with Tim Anderson's wife. Not, you know. Um, So she posted this because she was pretty disgusted with the things that Elizabeth Swarzak said which essentially amount to, you know, they they had this discussion which was spurred on by the recent horrific shootings um, in in El Paso, Texas, and Dayton, Ohio. Um, You know, just another day in America, folks. Um, So, you know, they had a discussion about gun violence, um, which are important discussions to have, you know, but (laughs) unfortunately it didn't go so well. Um, And basically, you know, Elizabeth Swarzak brought up the whole, you know, what about black-on-black violence in Chicago every single day, yada, yada, yada. Um, and, you know, <laughs> I will quote, uh, Bria Anderson here because her words, she said it better than I ever could have. Those black people weren't killing children in schools or driving nine hours specifically to kill brown people. What the actual fuck? <laughs> Which-, <laughs> Which is about as polite a response as the, um, super racist and distracting response of what about black on black violence deserves. I mean, I would say like it deserves a just a giant fuck you and nothing else, but yeah, like that's, that's about as much, that as much of a response as it deserves. Yeah. And Elizabeth Swarzak went on to say to dig, basically she kept digging her hole even deeper <laughs> unsurprisingly. Um, so she went on to say, the word white nationalist has been used recently to convince you that it's white supremacy when it's actually okay to be a nationalist, which is a person that's proud and loves their country. And basically Bria Anderson was like, I'm sorry, excuse me. What? Like, I think you're not even talking about the things that I'm trying to talk about here. Like 
you're trying to misdirect mass shootings that are happening that are predominantly done by white people to bring it up to bring it black back to black people here and that's like not okay um and you're yeah basically she said something super racist was called out on it and then immediately responded with actually white nationalism is good yeah actually it's all fine um, that's not (laughs) that's not the way to go that's not ever a statement you want to see someone volunteering like apropos of nothing white nationalism thumbs up like that is a that's a bad conversation right off the bat yeah and and bria kept trying to like you know she was way calmer than I would have been in that situation. Yeah. Props oh, to yeah. her. Amazing job. But she basically just kept being like, Elizabeth, you understand like how gross this is, right? Like I'm trying to tell you this. And then at the end, like Elizabeth basically like the exchange finishes with like her basically accusing Bria of being like racist against white people, which first of all is not a thing, by the way. Nope. <laughs> nope. So well, it's it, also so disrespectful to Bria because this is her job, right? Like exactly. she works yeah. with you know the with the people of Chicago. Like she, you don't have to lecture her on it. That's her day. That's that's her life. That's what she's trying to work to help. So don't like tell her, you know, uh, what about all that? Like no, she believe me, she's intimately aware of it. Yeah, she knows about this stuff. And to sort of, you know, I'm gonna read the caption that Ariana Giolito wrote because she she basically brought up this point. So when she posted the exchange, she wrote, I am so disgusted and disappointed. Bria Anderson is a teacher with a master's degree working on her doctorate while raising two girls and running a nonprofit organization that works to win the youth of South 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 Side Chicago. For someone within this baseball family to say such disgraceful and disgusting things, to shamelessly act in a demeaning and hateful way is reprehensible. Half the players in Major League Baseball are immigrants from Latin countries. To know someone among you holds hate in their hearts and thinks of you as a criminal because of your birthplace is something I cannot even imagine. Insulting and demeaning a woman's incredible nonprofit work is mind-boggling. I'm angry and hurt for every person of color involved in this sport. The players, wives, front office staffs, coaches, trainers, and the fans who love this sport, and for the families of those who lost their lives at the hands of mass murderers who, in their own words, wanted to kill people of color. So props, props for that caption, because that is, that was, that was awesome. That it was perfect, yeah. That. And we're going to share, you know, if you're reading this, and uh, if you're listening to this, and you haven't read the interactions, like, we're going to share them, because I think it's really important to see to just see it with your own eyes and, and digest it and kind of understand what's going back and forth there. Yeah. And I think and Lucas ahead, Giolito backed her up too. Yes. He said, I, I'm proud of what she said. Yep. And that was really, really cool to see. Um, he was basically like, yep, I agree with my wife. She's super outspoken about these things. She's awesome. <laughs> like, yep. <laughs> and I was like, hell yeah. Um, and I think that, you know, Obviously, there's a lot to digest there. There's stuff that I like the exchange is long and it's I don't think it's useful to read the entire thing on the podcast. We're going to post it. Um, There was a lot touched on there in the caption that was covered in the conversation that I didn't read out loud um, regarding immigration um, and other issues. And so like there is, first of all, a lot to digest there. But second of all, it's part of a bigger discussion about how we see how these issues affect players, but we rarely see the side of it of 
how it affects their families um, and how, you know, how the spouses are involved, how their kids are involved in all of these things, you know, often goes unnoticed by people and it shouldn't. And well, it's also you kind of get thrust into it because your husband is famous too. So, but that's also something you have to be aware of that your words also have a lot of power behind them and you can use them for both good or you can use them for bad. And I'm glad that, you know, um, it seems like most of them are using it for good, but there is a lot of pressure just because of the person you married too. Well, I mean, we've talked on this show already about um, how out of their depth some players get on social media. Yeah. And um, and I think it, it has to be it has to be even worse for for the spouses who get less training, less guidance. They have less spotlight. So, you know, early flubs that they make Not that I mean, not to call something you know, a serious interaction like this, a flood, but you know what I mean? Like they're less guarded. Um, and yeah, it's really, it's, it's kind of a powder keg. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's like, like Ariana pointed out in the caption it is so incredibly hard for me to even imagine how hurtful it must be to be in Bria's position and oh, yeah. to already feel you know so isolated because these the spouses don't live an easy life you guys like I know that you know players make a lot of money and that's nice um not every player does but a lot of these players make a decent chunk of change but you know they they have to often raise kids essentially on their own their spouses are gone for good parts of the year and they travel a lot and they live th- they live this like pretty isolating life where they can't really, you know, talk publicly all the time about their struggles. And so the small community that they do have is other people going through the same thing as them. So other wives and to have within that old community someone sharing such hateful and racist things I can't even imagine what it must be like in her position. Like, I can't even turn here for support. Yeah, it's a pretty, it, it's got to be really demoralizing. And it's already, I mean, it's already has to be demoralizing. You know, you are literally a minority in terms of your, your background, but also a political minority in the clubhouse. Like, that's by a pretty mm. wide margin. Um, that's, it, yeah, isolating is, is, is the right word. It's, it's a blow. Yeah. Let's 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 not make any bones about it. Elizabeth Swarzak's views are not unique among nope. baseball players, among baseball players' wives. Among and because of her community. tweet, some old tweets by Anthony Swarzak resurfaced, and let's Oof. say they're two peas in a pod. <laughs> yeah, let me just say, it's not surprising <laughs> that they're married, and let me also just say, I am quite pleased that Anthony Swarzak's no longer a Met despite the fact that he's pitching well for another team and that's frustrating but I don't even care about that because seeing his old tweets resurface and what those tweets contained were pretty ugly I'm not gonna I'm not gonna bother reading them on this podcast you can go look them up if you want to they're not easy enough to find if that's how you're feeling (laughs) yep (laughs) and find it on the old twitter.com because nobody deletes their goddamn tweets Oh, and now they've all been screenshotted, so they're still there. You yep. can't get rid of it. You can't hide. Now. Nope. 
Your ugly views are out here for everyone to see. Congratulations. Yep. But yeah, I mean... There's... Well, not so bad. I'm, this is kind of off topic, but Tim Anderson just tweeted something today. They, like, um, I think it's a special on ESPN um, that they're going to do. And he, the quote from him is, when you mention baseball to other black people, I want them to think of me. It motivates the culture to try and learn more about baseball and motivates kids to get into baseball. Like, you know, he's a really good role model and his wife is a really good role model for... You know, like we said, they're they're becoming a severe minority in baseball. And it's sad if you think of, like, you know, all the great black baseball players in history. Like, you know, they're all going to play football or they're, they don't see baseball as an option anymore. And that was, you know, the, the big deal with Kyler Murray, too, is he decided to go play football instead of playing baseball. But you have these great role models and you have somebody out there just trying to tear them down and not even appreciate what they're what they're doing for the sport and for humanity yeah yeah i mean tim tim and bria are (laughs) a a power couple and about as as good of ambassadors as you can have for the game and you know it's even though it's so so deeply unfortunate that these comments had to surface because they were made um at least at least i now know how cool bria anderson is because yeah, i didn't know she's that a before. badass i didn't know how cool Absolute she was now life goals so that's one positive thing to come out of all of this and like you know the like like i said the 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 life of being a spouse of a baseball player is really difficult and they often only have each other and they do a lot of good work behind the scenes and it's not recognized as much as you know the the work that the players do for charity for instance they the wives do a ton of work for charity um and it's not recognized it's not you know given the screen time that uh the players get um and they're the ones you know raising the kids often they're the ones raising the the puppies in the case of Jeff McKee. <laughs> um <laughs> So, yeah, that's why you call your wife when you want to adopt a puppy if you're a baseball player. Yeah. Is because you know who's going to be walking that puppy, and it's not Jeff McNeil. Exactly. But exactly. even that, like, you know, looking back on it, like, I hope she didn't feel pressured into adopting the puppy that, like, now everybody and their brother is talking about, well, now you have to get this puppy. Like, look at this puppy. Like, it was broadcast everywhere, that puppy. So how could she say no at that point? I realize we can never know the answer to that question. Yeah. And moreover, even if we did know the answer, we would not be able to to correct a wrong. So I am going to channel my therapist and just assume that the thing that I cannot control is just fine. Yeah. I'm just going to assume the best because I can't do anything about it. Okay. (laughs) I like that. I like that. (laughs) And we all get to benefit from this adorable puppy. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, Willow Great. McNeil, which I know, I know Willow McNeil was not named after the Buffy character, but, but yeah, I'm going to pretend because it's better I am that too. way. <laughs> Amazing. Um, and to kind of go with the theme of um, circling back to the Mets um, for a second, I just want to because the the tweet kind of came around the same time as all of this, and when we were talking about doing this segment about the struggles of being a baseball spouse, and you know. Um, 
all of that, I just want to give a shout out to Amanda Lugo, especially because Seth Lugo is my dude. And <laughs> Amanda Lugo made a fan. She's fantastic on Twitter, by the way. She is. She you is. Absolutely should follow her. Um, and she made a fantastic, really supportive tweet recently. Um, you know, it was right after, you know, Seth Lugo tied that record. Um, somebody tweeted about him tying the record 26 up, 26 down hats off to Seth Lugo for franchise record, um, tying streak, um, of batters retired in a row. And Amanda Lugo retweeted it and said, and to think, I remember folks asking him when he would, quote, get a real job, never give up on your dreams, kids. So it's just really cool to see, you know, the supportive spouse out there because it's not it's not easy. It's such a long journey to the big leagues, especially for somebody like Seth Lugo, who wasn't like a hot shot prospect who came up to the major leagues when he was 20 years old. You know, like he was 26, I think. Yeah, yeah, he is. He's in his mid 20s and he's been doing the grind for a long time. And he's had a lot of injuries in his career um, and dealt with a lot of, you know, setbacks and obstacles. And so to see a spouse be so supportive, knowing how much they have to sacrifice um, for their spouse's dream is just really, you know, it's it's nice. It's like, oh, cool. True love does exist. True love. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's it's cool. It makes me happy to see these things. And it. I think that, you know, we should just when we talk about players and we and I, I am formulating a piece on this that may or may not be published somewhere. More on that to come. But when we dehumanize players and when we use dehumanizing language to describe them, remember that behind every baseball player, there is a human being. He is a human being and he has a family often. And these are people that are affected by his career too. Um, and they are human beings worthy of respect and worthy of, you know, decency. So keep that in mind yeah i can't even imagine like being like someone's wife and seeing oh he sucks i hope he gets traded this is the worst thing ever like that's gotta be also really awful to hear on a day-to-day basis too yeah yeah especially because if if he does suck he knows it yeah his family knows it like it's also they probably insult injury yeah, they probably see him coming home frustrated and upset, and you know all the work they've put in to get here. Like, so that's got to be really hard on the other side. To you know, what can you say? Like, you do. I guess you just got to be supportive. But you know, knowing everything that went into them getting here, and fans are just so flippant about it, it's got to be really hard to hear. Yeah. So what I say is, more wholesome families like. Bria and Tim Anderson and Amanda and Seth Lugo and Mama Stroman and Grandpa Matt's and Isan Diaz's family. More of that, less racism. And the Giolitos. Yeah, the Giolitos. Less racism, though. So, yeah, that's all I have to say about yeah. that. I mean, in general, like, yes. as long as we're as long as we're discouraging racism, I'll say like, let's discourage all the racism. All the racism. Let's no, just do it. Yes. None of it, please. None Thanks. everywhere. None of it. Um, so I feel like that's a good note to end on. Stop being racists. Yeah. <laughs> um, so when we get back, uh, we will close things out like we always do with walk-off wins. So stay tuned for that. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. 
Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Victoria Cash. Thanks for calling the Lucky Land Hotline. If you feel like you do the same thing every day, press 1. If you're ready to have some serious fun for the chance to redeem some serious prizes, press 2. We heard you loud and clear. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com right now and play over 100 social casino-style games for free. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back. Um, so we are going to finish out the show like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about what is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. So, Linda, we'll start with you this week because we know that you were at <laughs> Friday night's game. You wrote an entire piece about it, which you should go to AmazingAvenue.com and read the piece. because It's it a great so piece. Good. It's Thank really you. good. One of the best things I've read in ages gave me goosebumps. No. So good, Yep. Linda. Go read no. It. Yes. <laughs> Linda will now attempt to describe verbally <laughs> her experience. Well, it, it's actually a walk-off win. <laughs> literally. <laughs> literally. Okay, first, I was annoyed at my brother for getting the tickets because I was like, I hate going to Nationals games. They always lose when we go. Word. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like, they're the most... Like, I saw... Max Scherzer against Logan Barrett. You can, uh, you know how that game went. Like, I went to the game at Nats Park where Noah Syndergaard hurt himself. Ooh, uh, so. like the most brutal losses you could. But so then, yeah, Matt, I saw Scherzer no hit the Mets. So. Well, <laughs> cool, good so we've history. All, we've all been there. <laughs> so like, I hate going to Nationals games. I just hate them. Like the Mets. And the Mets just don't lose. They lose in embarrassing fashion against them. Like, it's the worst, like, like twist of the knife you could possibly do. But then I was like, okay, maybe it'll be fun. But then I was nervous about it because like, this is a big game. Shockingly, it was a big game. And then that, I even put that in my piece. That was my first hint that, the, like, the Mets are back because I was worrying about them. Like, that was a new feeling this mm. season. And, um, so, it, I mean, I don't know if it came across what came across on TV, but Stroman was just unbelievable. The crowd reacted to him, the way he came out, like, he, like, he got a standing ovation coming in from the bullpen, um, and then he was kind of waving to them, to the crowd, and, like, and then when he would just, like, roar coming off the mound after big strikeouts, like, the crowd was going nuts, like, it was kind of, like, you know, mutual beneficial relationship, like, he was feeding off of us, we were feeding off of him, and, you know, I kind of actually found the Mets batting boring, well, number one, because they weren't doing anything, and number two, it's like, get Stroman back out here, I want to see Stroman, and he was pitching the game of his life, like, he's never had that many strikeouts in a game, and it was just incredible to see, so, like, 
that I don't know if that came across, but that's how it felt in the stands and how electric it was and how like it really did feel like a playoff game. And it hadn't been like this is the most fun I've had at a game in a really long time. Um, and then, you know, I, I think I even said this in our Slack channel. That, you know, when a person is at the game, you're ahead of the broadcast. I'm like, you're lucky I didn't say anything. I was <laughs> messaging you from the game. <laughs> Cause, oh, but I was, it was so tense. Like, my back was hurting all day Saturday because I was just tense the entire time. And, like, like and then when Rendon hit the home run, it's like, oh, here we go. And I was just kind of... I wasn't sad, but I was just like, oh, they were so close. And now all the stupid narratives are going to come of like, they can't be good teams. And and then, but then like, you know, people started to leave after the eighth, but most people stayed at the ninth. Like the stadium was still packed for the ninth inning. And then as soon as J.D. Davis got on, like, there was that little ripple in the crowd, like, oh, you know, what if, what if, and they're going to watch them just score one run, and then Ramos got on, and I was like, oh, wait, 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 now we have the tying runs on, this is great, this is great, and then they flashed Todd Frazier's stats against Sean Doolittle on the board, and I was like, oh, my God, he has, he's, like, two for four with a home run, I'm like, oh, my God, he could do it, he could do it, and (laughs) as soon as they did that, there goes the ball. <laughs> and I seriously did Grandpa Mads. I was jumping up going, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit, holy shit. <laughs> and like everybody's waving their t-shirts. And I've just, I've never seen a stadium like that. I didn't go to any playoff games, but I had just never seen that collective roar before. Like not in a really long time anyway, because it was... When I went in 2015, it was just nonstop. We got this. Go home, Nationals, because I went to the game that they swept against the Nationals in 2015. And there was kind of like a confidence there. And this was just, it was tense. It was back and forth. And it was just, you know, this, you know, you were at the lowest low when Rendon hit the home run. And now you, you know, Frazier hits the home run. And now it's like the highest high. But then... They had the pass ball in the eighth inning. I was like, see, that's the difference. See, now, nope, that's not a walk off. See, now they're just tying it up. So, like, of course, I have to find, like, you know, the one wrong thing that happened. But, you know, Panic also got a nice hand, too, when he was first introduced because, you know, again, he's a local kid and we were all kind of welcoming him. And then he got the hit. And then Lagares couldn't get the bunt down. And then McNeil hit a pop-up. And even seeing it on TV, I'm like, that did not go anywhere. But half the crowd stood up. I was like, ah! And it's like, no, that's not going anywhere. <laughs> like, you're just willing them to win it. Because it's like, we came this far. We can't lose now. And then, because um, I was behind home. So, but up. So I could kind of see, you know, everything. So then I saw Conforto hit it. And you could tell it was, you know, well hit. But then Ian was running. And then all of a sudden, he just stopped. And I, I feel like, like he oh. gave up on that. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. I couldn't believe it. Because it looked like he was tracking. I'm like, oh, no. Here we go. And then because the crowd really... I don't know, like, it just seemed they just knew, they just assumed that it was going to be a walk-off hit because it was so well hit. 
And then all of a sudden you just see the little white orb fall on the warning track. And it's like, and it fell, it fell. And then, oh, the, like, we were banging on the railing in front of us because I couldn't go too nuts because I was really afraid I would fall over and kill myself. <laughs> we're really glad you didn't. Because we were in the first row. So we were, like, banging on the railings, like, high-fiving everybody around us. And it was just, and, you know, the next day, Gary even said, he was like, I could not tell if anybody was speaking because it was just that loud in there like when, whatever song they played after Todd Frazier hit his home run I have no clue like I couldn't hear I couldn't hear anything Michael Conforto said in the post game interview I know I think he said something about the fans I'm not sure but like and then leaving everybody was partying in the stairwells and it just like we couldn't be like this all the time why isn't it like this all the time like it was August 9th this isn't a playoff game like what other fans go this nuts over like a game in August and and even Strasburg said it and you <laughs> yep, know they were mad jealous yep it's like yeah, yeah. that was harsh man yeah, I was, how do you like us now <laughs> Strasburg isn't the first one to say feeling it great. no Bryce Harper said Bryce it Bryce Harper yeah, said it and that I mean like I have a lot of experience with games at Nats Park let me just tell you they are absolutely right they are absolutely right. And yeah, maybe I'm a little biased too. I will admit it. But I've been to a lot of Mets Nats games and their fans just aren't as passionate as Mets fans. They just aren't. Well, well they like- feel bad because like so a lot of the individual Nats fans I've met through being a fan of baseball in general have actually been like some great smart people who do love the game. And, and you know, you'd have to love the game to be a Nats fan from the beginning because they were just so bad for so long. But like, you know, it's just, it's just not a big fan base. It's not a fan base that gets to a lot of games. It's, you know, the, they don't make it easy to get to and from the park. So it's hard they to don't. like fill it up. No. Um, but yeah, so I do kind of, I feel a little bit bad just for some individual Nats fans who are wonderful people. Um, but, but yeah, they're not wrong. Nope. That's just it. Like nope. it's not, they're not wrong. It's the replies to that tweet of Strasbury saying, oh, you know, I wish, basically wishing Nationals fans would do that. All of them were like, yeah, I've gotten yelled at when I cheered for an RBI double. Like, Nationals fans were admitting they've gotten yelled at in their own stadium. The the stadium, the, the people that work there are, like, very, very strict about stuff. Like... One time I like tried, I got there really early for a Mets Nats game and I like wanted to watch batting practice from a certain like vantage point and they like kicked me out because I didn't have tickets in that section. I'm like, it's like two and a half hours before game time. Like, what are you doing? I, yeah. I, yikes. It's just, yeah, it's not like the stadium is nice. Don't get me wrong. This, aesthetically, like the stadium is nice. They have really good food options. A lot of the same as City Field food options. There's Shake Shack, but without the line, it's quite nice. Um, <laughs> So there's like things about the fan experience there that are good, but let me just tell you as a whole, it's not a great fan experience. It's just not. No. Um, so, because I don't know if it was Keith the next day and he was like, oh yeah, that's the like, um, the Northeast like fandom, like New York, Boston, like, are we in a Napoli, like losing our head, our minds over a big win like that? I feel like Cubs fandom is kind of like that. <laughs> 
Yeah, I was like, I thought that was normal. <laughs> I don't know. Are we normal? I don't think I, we are. I don't think we are. I don't, think I don't know what, like, true. the specifics of our non-normalness are. Like, <laughs> but that's the reason that I don't know that is because I'm not normal. Yeah, that's like, true. you can't be a Mets fan and be psychologically normal. Let's just be real about that. True. True. Linda, you did mention you you asked like I'm not sure what parts of that came through in the broadcast. Yeah, and I yeah. will say that so I listened to the first inning um on the radio because I was driving during it. Um and the radio broadcast especially, I felt, was electric. I could feel like I could hear the crowd noise. I feel like you hear the crowd noise a lot more on the radio broadcast than yeah. on the TV broadcast. And so when Strowman like I heard the whole first inning, so when Strowman like came out and how loud the crowd was, I remember thinking to myself sitting in the car, that is as loud as I have ever heard this stadium ever ever. Yeah. Howie Rose said he never even heard Shea Stadium like that. Which is wild uh, cuz Shea Stadium yeah. is much bigger capacity than City Field has. <laughs> Yeah, and like Shea Stadium actually shook when they won. So I was like, and to it be was, fair, it's probably not actually objectively a good a situation. good thing, <laughs> right? But like, it was just insane to just how everybody, as soon as Trey Turner was announced, everybody just started chanting, "Let's go, Mets!" Like it was just assumed. Now's the time. We're gonna show you. You're in our house now, buddy. Let's yeah. break it. Yeah. And. I, I feel like that's what got to Pete Alonso because you could clearly see him nodding along to the chance and he was getting pumped up by them. And it's like, oh, and then, of course, then he got too over anxious and dove for the ball. And so that everybody's like, no, Pete, no. <laughs> Why? Okay, it worked out. It worked out. Yeah. At the end. But yes. yeah, I. Um... I and I got the benefit of uh, for the and we'll get back to this in a minute. But I got the benefit of the rest of that game watching the Masson broadcast. <laughs> because I Who just got voted worst? Did you see that? Yes. Yeah, they're the worst. <laughs> I did, and so the calls. I, I if you can find them, listeners, I highly recommend. If you're looking for a laugh, I highly recommend watching the Masson calls from these walkoffs. Anything but that. Oh, it was just so good. It was just so good. I can't even. Anyway, <laughs> that's an aside. Um, Maggie, what is your walk-off win for this week? Um, well, keeping in the theme, um, my walk-off win is just the general existence of Michael Conforto, um, who I had, I had pegged him to have a big season, and I, you know, I he's not had like the, the massive MVP year that I still truly believe is waiting in there somewhere. Um, but he has just been so solid and underappreciated. And he is, he's such a like solid professional dude who comes in there day out and day, day in, day out, does his job, plays center field for ridiculous reasons that are not his fault. Um, and he's just a really fun guy to root for. And I was so glad that he got his first career walk off on Friday and he's just, he looks great. And I, I think he's really just a, a special guy and I'm really glad we get to watch him every day. Yep. Love Scoot. And if you don't think I have shirtless Michael Conforto pictures on my phone. <laughs> You're, you, you'd be mistaken. Yes, you would be wildly mistaken. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Shirtless scoots, such a good, so good, so good, so good. 
So, um, as I alluded to earlier, um, I had the Masson broadcast on Friday night because I was in Baltimore. Um, and that is my walk-off win for this week. Um, I was in Baltimore because I had a wedding uh, for a close friend of mine. Um, and it's the first time I had been back in Baltimore since I moved. Um, so there's a whole host of reasons why that made me happy this past weekend. Um, first of all, I got to see my dog. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know, um, during most of my time in grad school, my roommate and I had a dog. Her name is Cricket. She is fantastic. I've posted pictures of her on Twitter but um, I love her. We so should much. put up more pictures just in case. Yeah, obviously. Yeah. More pictures of cricket. Just Those will in be case. incoming. Um, from, from this weekend, I'll post pictures of cricket on Twitter. Um, so, you know, we made the, my roommate and I knew we wanted to get a dog um, like early on in grad school. Um, and, but we also knew that we weren't going to be roommates forever. You know, once our PhD program ended, we were going to go our separate ways, have our separate careers. Um, and so we made the absolutely heart-wrenching decision ahead of time to decide whose dog it actually was, even though while we were roommates, it would be our dog. Um, and my roommate grew up with a dog. She had like a dog throughout her whole childhood, and I did not. Um, Cricket was my first pet. Um, and so we figured because she had the experience as a dog owner and I did not, it would be her dog. And so we we established that really early on. Folks, if you're if you have a similar arrangement where you have a roommate and you're getting a pet together, make have these conversations ahead of time. Otherwise, you're going to be like a divorced couple and it's not going to be good. Um, so I knew that this day would come when I would move and it would be absolutely heart wrenching and it has been awful and I miss my dog a lot. Um, but I got to see her this weekend. So that's been one of the like really awesome things about this past weekend in Baltimore is I got to hang out with my dog, give her tons of love and tons of pets. Happy she remembered me. She was so excited Aww. when I walked through the door. Someone, ca- my roommate captured the video um, of it and it's just, it makes me so happy every time I look at it. Um, so not only that, but obviously I got to celebrate a beautiful wedding of a close friend of mine to her husband. So congratulations to my friend Kayla and her husband Chris. Um, it was a beautiful ceremony and a fantastic reception. All my college friends um, got to hang out together and have a fantastic time celebrating the two of them. And it, I'm just so grateful for all of these people in my life and getting to hang out with them for the first time in a while. So that was really, really fun. So it was a really great weekend in Baltimore. Great first weekend back since I moved. I hope to visit again sometime. Um, so that's my walk-off win for this week. Not baseball-related, but still very, very happy. Um, yay yay still good yeah very good very happy um so while you're waiting for the next uh, episode of a pot of their own to hit their feet to hit your feeds um you can go to amazingavenue.com and read of all read all of our fantastic content you can check out linda's piece about her experience at friday night's game i highly recommend you check that out I highly recommend you check out all of our game recaps, all of our analysis, all of our latest Mets content. Um, you can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Amazing Avenue. You can follow the show on Twitter at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servich. And how about you, Maggie? At Maggie162. Follow all of us on Twitter. Follow the show. Email us own at gmail.com. We will eventually do another mailbag segment at some point. Um, in the meantime, you can subscribe 
to Amazing Avenue Audio and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. It really, really, really helps people find the show. Um, original music for the intro and outro to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go next. Yeah. Thank you.